0: The theme, of course, this week is The Heart of Hope, and this is Tuesday, October the 15th, 1978. And the topic tonight is The Hope Clarified. To know God and to know His wonderful Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, is to joyfully anticipate Christ's return. In order to to clarify the hope for you, I'm going to have to go back into some words in the Word to give you the basic structure and the knowledge of it. Because in this category of the return of Christ, there is tremendous confusion among the family Not particularly the Family of the Way ministry, although I see roots of it in the ministry, but throughout Christendom. In order to get into the integrity and accuracy of the word tonight and develop all of this for you, if you brought any paper and pencil, you may want to jot some of these things down because it will be a little difficult perhaps for you to retain everything in your mind. There are four basic words that I will be dealing with tonight, among others, but four that I have to give you in the Greek. The first is the word parousia, spelled P-A-R-O-U-S-I-A, P-A-R-O-U-S-I-A. The second word is the word suntalia, spelled S-U-N. T-E-L-E-I-A. S-U-N. T E L E I A. The third is the word TALO. T E L E O S. T E L E O S. And the fourth word is the word apocalypsis. And that is spelled A-P. O K O. Did I say O-K-O? That's wrong. O-K-A. A Apochka. O-P-O-K-A-L. <laughs> they learned to spell it myself. Huh? Well, I can spell it. U-P-I-S. U-P-S-I-S. That's the way it's spelled. I'll do it. A P O. K. Apocalypsis. A. L. U. U-P-I-F. I'll do it once more just so I know how to spell it. A-P-O-K-A-L. Apocalypse. Lipsis. L. No double L with the last L, U-P-I-S. Apocalypse. Okay. <laughs> Marvelous, the man can spell it. Also make a note of this, if you like. When you work the word at any time, but specifically at this time where we're just developing a great depth of the hope clarified for all of our people... You watch prepositions, and especially three prepositions. The preposition for, the preposition with, and the preposition upon. In the foundational class on power for abundant living, I was able to make clear to you the word church. The Greek word is the word ekklesia, remember? And I clarified for you it's different usages in the word of God. Like a building, like a body of people, like a denomination, remember? And that helped you to understand the accuracy and the integrity of God's word, that there was no confusion in the word regarding the usage of the word church. I'm going to do the same thing likewise for you tonight on the word parousa, santalia, talos, and apocalypsis. You will want to make this note, I'm sure, because I looked this all up so that I could double-check it. I've triple-checked it. You can check it in your own concordances, and you'll find the same that I have found. The word parousa, is used 24 times in the New Testament. 22 times it is translated coming. Twice it is translated presence. All 24 mean simply the actual presence, the actual presence, personal presence of the one spoken of. Eleven times of those twenty-four. It's used of Christ's presence. With his church. And underscore the word with. Six times. It is used of Christ's presence. When. And underscore the word when. He gathers his Church, the body of believers. Six times it is used of the presence of individuals. Of those six, once it is used of the man named Stephanus. Twice of the man named Titus. Three times of the man named Paul. And we have one more usage left, and that one usage of the word parousa is the translation of the presence of the lawless one. When we work this down with you this week and before the week closes, you will see that the confusion regarding the perusa, the coming of Christ, is due to the fact that people confuse Matthew chapter 24, where it says, Talks in one of the verses, I think it's verse 29, about immediately after the tribulation of that time, the perusa. I think it's also in verse 17 or 27. It's in those verses. All you need to do is look them up. And by the way, I will give you all the verses after a bit in the New Testament where these words, where this word is used. But you get Matthew 24 confused with first Thessalonians chapter 4 and therefore they get the church of the body to which you and I belong going through the tribulation and this wrongly dividing of the word makes for confusion in the word and trouble for the body which is to be of one mind and it is an outright contradiction of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 4, which assures us in no uncertain terms that the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord, shall never overtake us, the body of believers, as a thief. With the concepts that are being taught and have been taught through the years, all it has done is to plunge Christians into darkness, confusion, fear, and being comfortless. Of which the word says we are not in. But we are to be comforted. In First Thessalonians chapter 4, I'd like for you just to look at it. Now people, this is not going to be an easy night. It's a night of research and teaching. So don't get yourself all hot and bothered. Just sit there and think and listen and believe God to work in your heart and mind. First something, what did I say? Thessalonians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians. Chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 18. Very carefully it says, So shall we ever be with the Lord, verse 18. Wherefore do what? Comfort, comfort one another with these words. We are just instructed that these words here in Thessalonians that deal with the return of Christ, that these words are to comfort us. I'm going to now give you every scripture, every scripture, That is in the New Testament Where this word parousa is used By the way, if you don't care to write it You do not need to write it It's in the footnote on page 32 of Are the dead alive It's in the footnote On page 32 it says The word coming Is the Greek word parousa Translated in the Bible as coming and presence and always indicates the personal presence of the person spoken of. But for those of you who do not have a book, I'm going to give you the references and perhaps before the rock of ages you'll get a book and you'll master this this year. Work this word, work the are the dead alive to the end words yours. I may know it, but as long as I know it, no, that's okay, but that doesn't help you until you know it. You've got to work the word class until it is yours. It's not no, it's just no longer a head trip with you that you have it in your brains. You've worked it through the whole fiber of your being that it's a dynamic force of great truth within your soul. Here are the following years, sages. Matthew 24, 3, 27, 37, and verse 39. First Corinthians, chapter 15, verse 23. Chapter 16, verse 17. Second Corinthians, chapter 7, verses 6, and seven. Chapter ten, verse ten. Philippians, chapter one, verse twenty-six. Chapter two, verse twelve. First Thessalonians, chapter two, verse nineteen. Chapter three, verse thirteen. Chapter four, Verse fifteen, chapter five, verse twenty-three, second Thessalonians, chapter two, verse one, verse eight, and verse nine. James chapter five, verse seven, second Peter, chapter one, verse 16, chapter 3, verse 4, and verse 12. And the final one is in First John, chapter 2, verse 28. I'd like for you to look at Ephesians again. Chapter 1, verse 18. The eyes of your understanding being what? Enlightened, that you may know, not question, not doubt, but that you may know what is the hope of His, God's calling. And that's God's calling in the mystery. That ye may know, not question, not doubt people, but know that you know that you want, know. Never have any question about it. What is the hope of God's calling and what the richness of the glory of His, God's inheritance is, is in the saints. This word, K-N-O-W, the word know is the Greek word oida, O-I-D-A, which means mentally to perceive. It means to, to perceive it in your head, mentally class. That's what its meaning is. It is not the Greek word for know, K-N-O-W, which is the word gnosko. Gnosko is spelled G-I-N-O-S-K-O. The reason it can't say gnosko here is because to gnosko something is to experience it. The experience is not available because it's hope. That's why it's the word oida instead of ginosko. It means mentally perceived cannot be ginosko because it is not available. But I want you to notice that it's the first thing that's listed in the first prayer in Ephesians to the faithful in Christ Jesus. This is the first prayer in Ephesians. And the first thing, class, that's listed is to know the hope, the hope, the first thing. Boy, to me, that's exciting and thrilling. Like I told you last night, the first thing after the ascension was what? the same Jesus is coming back. Isn't that something? You see, you will have the perusa of Christ in the air before the tribulation of Second Thessalonians 2.1. You will have the perusa of the lawless one on earth during the tribulation 2nd Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 9 and you have the perusa of Christ on earth after the tribulation which is 2nd Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 8 now I'd like for you to go to Matthew please Matthew 24 This is that great chapter that has caused no end of confusion for people. Chapter 3, Matthew 24. And as he, Jesus, sat upon the Mount of Olives, verse 3, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy parousia And of the end of the age. The world is age, Ion, age. Verse 4. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come, and you finally get down in verse 6, ye shall hear of wars and rumors of what? See that ye be not troubled, for all must come to pass before the end of the age is. But the end of the age is not yet. There you have, the parousa in verse 4, the last line, the end. The word end is centelia. And in verse 6, but the end is not yet. The word end there is talos. On page 32 of Are the Dead Alive Now?, in the second paragraph, is the following record. The events of the end, Suntalia, include, number one, Christ coming for F O R, his saints. Number two, The events of the book of Revelation with Christ coming with, with his saints. Number three, the first and second resurrection. And finally, number four, the end, talos. T-E-L-O-S, talos. When death is destroyed, and all things are subdued to God. That's a fantastic paragraph in that. It's not too difficult to understand when you you realize that we use the word end many times in different ways. For instance, we say that's the end of the book. Well, what do you mean when you say it's the end of the book? You could mean the last chapter, right? You could also mean the last page, right? That's the end of the book. But you could also mean the last word on the last page of the book. Different you Like we talk about the end of a dog's tail. Old chicks, you know. Did you see tick number two that they brought me from Germany last week? He's a great dog, little hopper, thirteen, twelve, thirteen 12, 13 weeks old. <clears throat> He's got a little longer tail than tick because they dock him longer in, in, in Germany than they do in the United States. Uh, but anyway, it's still got an end, <laughs> bless the Lord, a little further out than tick's. But we talk about the end of the tale. Well, what do you mean by the end of the tale? Well, not much of it is the end. But finally, there is an end to the end. That's talos. Everything, every other word meaning end is stontalia. Every place the word, people. It's so simple. And if people get all screwed up about it. <laughs> Oh, my. Go to First Corinthians 13. <coughs> 1 Corinthians 13. Verse 10. But when that which is perfect is come, then, then, then that which is in part shall be what? done away you see it's all going to have to wind up sooner or later at a suntalia, which is a movement toward the final end of the end that's what it's talking about here look at Ephesians chapter 4 Corinthians Galatians, Ephesians, chapter four, verse thirteen. Till or until we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect what? Man. Perfect man. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of what? Christ. That's it. Beautiful. Again, I'd like to read to you from page 32. Because it says it here so beautifully that I just don't know any way to improve on it. To understand Christ's second coming, you should look at his first coming. And we're going to. Micah 5, 2 indicates Christ coming forth from Bethlehem, which event is recorded in Matthew two one, while Zechariah nine nine indicates Christ's coming unto Jerusalem, which event is recorded in Matthew twenty one one ten. The events between and including Christ's birth and his ascension is his first coming. And just as Christ's first coming spanned a period of time, so does his second coming, the Perusa. See, Jesus Christ came, was born in Bethlehem. Some 30 more years later, crucified in Jerusalem and ascended in Bethany. That whole period plus, that whole expanse of time is in the Bible referred to as the first coming likewise with the return of Christ the the return is more than just an instantaneous thing now it begins with an instantaneous thing then it goes on over a period of time This class, this part in here, this area in here is called the santalia, the end times. This here is called the talos. So as you have in the first coming that period of time involved and the whole thing refers to the first coming, so with the second coming you have that Period of time involved in Micah. Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Jolie, Obadiah, Jonah Micah. I got to say the books to find them. God oh, bless your heart. Micah chapter 5. And you just have to bear with me tonight because it's just like I work with classes when I work the core, when we do any work to God. And I wanted to do this at the Rock of Ages because of the urgency of our times. And I can't help you unless you get some of these great truths in your heart and life. So you just, you know, from a practical theological point of view, this is a lousy evening. Because nobody from a practical theological point of view would ever dare to do what I'm doing. But I'm going to do it anyway, see, just for the fun of it. <laughs> uh, you can do. It says in verse 2, I'm in Micah, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is, to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth hath been from old from everlasting. This prophecy of his coming to Bethlehem in Micah 5, 2, is recorded in, in Matthew chapter 2. Listen to this, record Verse 1. Now... Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the, Lord. the king. There it is. Now that's his birth. The record in Micah refers to the birth. Now in Zechariah. That almost takes you through the Old Testament. Boy, these pages are sticking together. Zechariah chapter 9. Look at verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation. Lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of a what? Asked. this has to be checked in Matthew chapter 21 in verse 1 and when they drew nigh Matthew 21 1 and when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come the text reads had arrived to Bethphage. The word Bethphage means house of figs. Unto is the word toward the Mount of Olives. Then sent Jesus two disciples, two disciples, and this is the Zechariah 9-9 record, saying unto them, Go forward or go into, go forward. To the village. Facing. Facing. Or off the road. Over against you. And straightway. Ye shall find an outside. And a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught Unto you ye shall say the Lord hath need of them. And straightway. He will send them. And this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, behold, my king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass, and a colt to foal of the ass. And the disciples went, verse 6, and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought, the word brought is the word led, the ass and the coat and put on them their clothes (laughs) and they set him thereon he took his seat on the garments is what the text reads and a very great multitude spread their garments in the way Others cut down what? Branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitude that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? On page 32, the bottom paragraph, reads as follows in Are the Dead Alive Now? Christ's second coming has two basic phases. The two parts of the perusa must be clearly distinguished to avoid serious errors. With these two phases, all the dead shall be made alive, and the living believers made immortal. The part of the Perusa, the return of Christ for His church, is called in Second Thessalonians 2 1. Our gathering to gather unto him. First of all, we must note that the gathering together affects only those who are born again of God. During the age of the church of the body which which age is the period between the day of Pentecost and the first part of the parousa. The unsaved of the church of the body period and all others before and after the church age will be resurrected when Christ comes with his saints. No unbelievers are affected by the part of the parousa of Christ for his church nor are the Old Testament saints nor the church of the bride. I'd like for you to go to John, please. Chapter 3. Now you understand the usage of the word perusa, Calia, talos. <coughs> In John, Chapter 3, in verse 29, we read, He that hath a bride is the bridegroom. He that hath a bride is the bridegroom. Told you last night from the word that Jesus Christ came unto his own Israel. He called out people from Israel Jesus Christ was the bridegroom, that called out, the ecclesia, the body, the called out under Christ is called the bride. The confusion in the bride and the body of the church has caused no end of difficulty. And it's one of the contributing factors to the wrongly divided truth regarding the hope of his return in Matthew 16 and in verse 18 talking about the bride listen to this Jesus says I say unto thee Peter thou art Peter Petros little old Stone like a grain of sand that blows around. But upon this rock, Petra. And he pointed to himself, Jesus Christ. And he said, upon this rock, Petra. Not a little pebble that blows around with every wind. But upon God's only begotten Son. Upon this rock, I will build my church people it's as plain as day who builds that church Christ said I will what build the church that church is the one he is building or did build one he will again future but has nothing to do with the church of the body to which you and I belong the church of the bride is the one that he builds I will build my church. Now, don't forget it. Now, go to Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in preaching, Christ did preach. I'm in Philippians. Colossians. Good verse, but out of air, out of place right now. 118, Colossians. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the head of the body, the church. In the gospels, he is the bridegroom. And people, it's really simple. You know, I know that the bridegroom has a body. Not stupid. I know the bride has a body. But you already have how many bodies? Two. Jesus Christ is the bridegroom. Israel was to be the bride. That made two. But in the church since the day of Pentecost, which we just read in Colossians, it says he is the head of the what? And the body is one. One. Look, here's my body. This is not two, it is one. And the head of this body that controls this body is the head up here. Now, in the body of the church, it says Christ is the head of the body. Class, it's the head. He's the head of the body. So if he is the head, who do I take orders from? The head. Who does this body here physically take orders from? The head. That's right. Christ is the head of the body. Who do we take orders from? Not from some earthly man or woman. Not from some religious dignitary. We go to the word. And we find out what Jesus Christ did, what he accomplished, what he set for his people, and we obey him by the renewing of our minds, according to the revealed words. Now, I want to ask you a very simple question. Can the body be alive and vital at any other place than where your head is? Have you tried cutting it off at night and laying your head on the shelf? Where the head is is where the body is. Boy, wait till that hits you sometime. He ascended up into heaven. Sat down at the Lord. Where is the body of the church? That's why it says in the Word we're already seated in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. people how can you for one moment believe then if we're already seated up there God has done all that for us in Christ Jesus that he's going to allow his people to go through the great tribulation that's impossible toward where the head is There the body is. Boy, that stuff is just fantastic. (laughs) Look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same what? Right. Jesus Christ's gospel bridegroom never says that about the Gentiles. Uh, look at chapter 4 of Ephesians verse 12 for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of us that's why we have ministries in the body of apostles, prophets, evangelists for the edifying of the body building up the body Jesus Christ said in the gospel, he's going to build the church, right? I will build my work who builds the church since the day of Pentecost? The believers. Christ. Born again of God's Spirit. That's why we have apostles, prophets, and so forth. For the edifying, the building up of the body. Because it's not the bride we're talking about. We're talking about the body of which Christ is the head. In Second Corinthians... Keep your finger in your teeth because I'm coming back. But I want to sandwich 2 Corinthians 5 in here. It's not unknown to many of you. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18. And all things new are of God who hath, who hath reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the us. Ministry of Reconciliation. In the Gospels, it was Jesus Christ reconciling Israel. I will build my church. Here in the body, it is the believer. The believer unto whom he has committed the word of reconciliation. That's why when you go out, you speak the word. You're an ambassador, you speak the word. You're a witness, you speak the word. He's committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, people, if you do not speak the word, people are not going to be reconciled to God. Now you cannot speak the word until you know it. So we have to work the word to get the knowledge of the word that we have it rightly divided so we can speak it for it's only the spoken word rightly divided, which is the true word of God. Now verse verse 20. We are ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye what? Reconciled to God. In Ephesians chapter 1, tremendous record. And whoever's going to edit this, I'm not going to make it in one hour, so don't get nervous. I don't care what you do with it. I got to teach it. Here we go. Verse 17. Listen to this. Ephesians 1:17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, now follow it carefully because it's very important that you do. The Father of glory may give unto you spirit of, that is to say, wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his, God's calling, and what the riches of the glory of God's inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of God's power, I'm giving you, you you the pronouns accurately. To us word who believe, us word who believe. Now you start a parenthesis. before the word according, because following the the word believe, you go to reading verse one of chapter two. Power to us word believe. Even you who were dead trespasses in sins. But here's the parentheses. Watch it. According to the working of His God's mighty power, verse 20, which He, God, wrought in Christ when He, God, raised Him, Jesus Christ, from the dead and set Jesus Christ at His God's own right hand in the heavenlies, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Isn't that something? Smile That's why Verse 14 of chapter 4 should speak loudly to us in Ephesians That we henceforth be no more what? Children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. On the bottom of page 36, Regarding this wonderful, wonderful word that I read to you earlier from, I want to read this, the coming of Christ, bottom of page 36, last paragraph, the coming of Christ with his saints to the earth is also part of the parousa, but is solely related to the Lord's Day. And the Lord's day goes back to the original time of the Gospels, with the first coming. You see, had Israel believed in the Messiah, it had been all over with. But God in his foreknowledge knew. That's why he could hide within himself, clasp the mystery. the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, born as a baby in Bethlehem, lived among his people, taught the greatness of the word to them, but they crucified him. They crucified him. That was the Lord's day, his personal presence upon earth. But they crucified him. God raised him from the dead. Sent it into heaven. Something occurred on the day of Pentecost that's still a living reality today. That's that valley I talked to you about last night that the prophets look for. The duration. That is the mystery. The mystery of the body, the called out from both Jew and Gentile, people born again, Christ in them, the hope of glory. He, the head of the body, with every individual in that body having a specific function to perform, like the thumb, like the point finger, like the little finger, like the wrist, the arm. Everybody has a unique, wonderful position to perform in that body of which he is the head. They crucified him. God raised him. Pentecost. You have to absolutely know about the apocalypse. And that's why this part of the perusa must definitely be distinguished from the first part of the Pedusa where Christ comes for his church. The coming of Christ with his saints, called in the Greek apocalypses, is the appearing, revelation, the advent, and the day of the Lord. We have what they call the first advent, which is the coming of Christ the first time. We have the advent of Christ the second time. But his, with the advent deals specifically with Israel. That's why the book of Revelation is called Apocalypse. It's the Apocalypse. The word Apocalypse means what I've just told you. Revelation. In 1 Corinthians class in chapter 4. First Corinthians chapter four, verse thirteen. That's not it. First Corinthians four. No, 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 Lord's Day, man's day. Where is that? First Corinthians. I thought it was verse three. That's it. You know, if I had to do this for a living, I'd quit. But, but I do it because I'm living. How's that? <laughs> oh, yeah, well, I'm sorry I missed that. Boy, look, verse 3. But with me it's a very small thing that I should be judged or examined of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not mine own self. Let's the word do it. The word judgment here is the word day, D-A-Y. In the administration in which you and I live, man does the judging. He is supposed to judge according to the revealed word. Many times he doesn't do that. But he's still doing the judging. He is doing the judging. Man. But with the apocalypse, the advent, the return of Jesus Christ with his saints upon earth, he, Jesus Christ, is going to do the judging. It, It is the Lord's day. The Lord's day is not a day of the week. It's not Sunday, and people, the Sabbath day isn't Sunday either. The Sabbath day is Sabbath, it's Saturday. Sunday is Sunday, you know, soup is soup and apple butter is what? And you buy some Cracker Jacks, you may get a few peanuts. The Lord's day is the day when he does the judging. It's the Lord's day. Today is man's day. Man does that's what Corinthians says. Couldn't be any plainer. And you have all experienced this in life. But there's a day coming class which is described in Revelation chapter 1 where it says, I was in the spirit on the what? Lord's day. Now we're back to the gospel period. What the Gospels could not complete and was not completed was held in abeyance. But the Word of God will always be fulfilled. Not one jot or tittle will be removed from it. It will be fulfilled in its day and in its time. Where the Gospels terminate class, the book of Revelation begins. And with the beginning of that book of Revelation, it again is going to be the Purusa, the Purusa, the personal presence class of the Lord Jesus Christ upon earth. The first time he came. He was born in a stable, laid in a manger, lived a period of time the word talks about the crucified. Him they crucified him they spit in his face i could almost cover this audience without a speaker anything man makes doesn't work all the time but what god does works all the time No, they put that crown of thorns on his head, they whopped him, they beat him. He was the most beautiful specimen of humanity the world has ever had. But by the time they finished with him, the prophet said not even a person's eyes would behold him. Didn't even want to see him, he was so emaciated. But, ladies and gentlemen, he's coming back, because God raised him from the dead. And when he comes back this time with his saints, they're just not going to stand around, spit in his face, put a crown of thorns on his head, and say, You little old son of a bastard. No, man. The next time he comes back, ladies and gentlemen, the word says he's coming back as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Right. Man as you ride, stand up. Good. He's coming back as King of King and Lord of Lords. He'll take vengeance on his enemy, pet your life. and he'll knock some ear balls together. Chicken him But in the meantime, you and I have the ministry of reconciliation to bring men and women to God, and to teach them the greatness of God's word, and if they want to get saved and go to heaven with us, hallelujah! they don't want to, they just have to wait around. He's coming back, and they're going to have to face Him and God anyway. I'd rather face Him as a son or a daughter of God, having passed from death unto life, bypassed all the wrath, and be rewarded. Than to have to face him as the. Wouldn't you? That's why I'm highly in favor of people getting born again. (laughs) Because, ladies and gentlemen, we've got everything to win now. And we've won everything throughout all eternity because we are God's chosen people, the body of Christ.